they have this feature on Zoom where you can, if you share your screen, you can also share your computer audio. Yeah, I've um, done that. That's cool. Which is actually kind of awesome because sometimes uh, I'm working with someone that's like working on a song in like Logic or something and I want to know what it sounds like and if it's cool and then I'm like, well, just share your sound with me and then I can hear it. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it, it's not like perfect, but it's so much better than listening through like their their laptop you get it speakers. Your own speaker, yeah. yeah, exactly. So Dude, totally. That's that's a great that's a great tip. We you know we haven't even really gotten into the episode yet. We're already touching tips. Right. So yeah, we should probably start. Yeah, let's do it. Also, here it is. We're, why not just? I feel warm. Why don't we just have a podcast since let's we're all recording and talking to our microphones? Let's do a podcast. This is Gearbuds Podcast, episode one hundred and five. I'm Henry. We've got Dave on the phone. What's up? Hi, Dave. We also have an amazing guest today that is joining us from sunny California. I don't know if it's sunny there right now. I'm just projecting because it's kind of cloudy and, and crappy here in Chicago. <laughs> Mr. Andrew Pelletier. What's up, dude? Hey, guys. Hi, Henry. Welcome. Hi, Dave. Actually, Henry, it is um, it is completely cloudy and gray today. Wow. The one day, yeah. the one day a year that it's, you get. Yeah, I guess there's weather. Yeah, totally. There's like May gray and then June gloom, I guess. And but it's in mm. eight, but it's be, it's come in April this year for some it's reason. Coming That's a right. early. Yep. Yeah. We're we're have we're having an early May this year. Uh or but I don't know. You guys had May. you guys uh, had like a light about of light snow the other day, didn't you? Yeah. For Actually, a few twice. days there. We yeah. a couple mornings. Oh really? Little, it's yeah, you know, we did it. It's it's you know how it is like we'll yeah. get I've worn shorts for a few days yep. and then yep. and then all of a sudden it's and then it's snowing again so yep. we're in we're back into the snows right now but I think next week maybe will be the uh, yeah the, the full break we're out of the throws of the snows yep throws of the snows David dude I'm on bringing the bringing the icy hot early on in the episode <laughs> here wow yeah, let's hot. do it this is gearbuds podcast let's just have the th- andrew's fucking awesome i'm excited that he's on the show we didn't oh. even get to thank him thank you for oh, being here thank you sir uh you might know him as fur trader you might know him from his work in the band minor characters or maybe maybe he teaches you things about music <laughs> uh in in the world or maybe on the internet because that's how we do things these days but uh i'm super excited to catch up Andrew's an old friend and we used to our band yeah. used to play together and uh, we haven't talked in a little bit but we've got a lot to catch up on before we do all that we've got some segments and stuff that we do every week so why don't we just do that here it is let's dive in the symphony of corrections here is your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes thank you for listening to this every week I mean thank you I, right Dave it's yeah, just please. all we please can say is thank thanks you. yep Please and thank you. Keep it coming. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Gearbuds Podcast. Subscribe, Spotify, Apple, all those places. Uh, we already kind of touched tips a little bit. That I'm probably going to have to make that the intro of the show here when I get to the edit. So let's cool. just dive in a little bit of the Friends of the Show segment, uh, subsegment of the Symphony. Pedal movie comes out this week, folks. Yeah. I just you know by the time you're listening to this, it will be at the very least the week of the pedal movie coming out or or it will have already come out and you should have seen it april 30th we're super excited i've watched it i'm just gonna say that fuck it uh, it's super <laughs> rad uh and then and then next week how about it directors of the film michael lux and daniel orkin are joining us so stoked for the episode super stoked so that will be coming be ready for that um you know what? Speaking of friends of the show, I've got to get into something kind of, kind of, and maybe, maybe one of, one of you two gentlemen will have some answers for me. So, 
as as maybe some of you know out there, I like to get into the analytics of who our listeners are sometimes and figure out who's listening to the show, where you are, and all that shit. And okay. I was digging into where our, our UK listeners come from because Squarespace makes it easy for me to do that. This is not a paid advertisement. That is just the truth. So I was looking through where all of our UK listeners, most of them, I mean, they're across all the, whole, all the islands, but really mostly in the sort of England area. And I And something jumped out at me, Dave. Yeah. And that is, maybe it's a question. I don't know. Why, why are all of the places in, in the UK, why, why do they have ham in the name? <laughs> okay. I'm just going to, I wrote some of these down. I didn't even write all of them down. I'm just going to give you a quick list. Birmingham, Waltham forest. You're going to have to, I mean, just understand when I say Waltham, there's still a ham. There's a there. ham in there. Waltham yeah. Stowe, Chippenham. Here's one that might not jump out at you, but it's still ham. Richmond upon Thames. There's a ham in Thames. I'm just going to say there is. Boreham Wood, Hampshire, Barking and Dagenham, Clapham. I'm 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 emphasizing Clapham. the hams. I I know Eric that you, it's more like an um, but I'm just gonna I'm hamming them. Tom Tower Hamlets, Nottingham, Lewis. I'm guessing it's Shum, but I'm just gonna say Lewis Ham. Southampton Street Ham, but I'm guessing that's Streetham. Northamptonshire, Wolverhampton. These are just gearbuds listeners, folks. That's what great. is going on? I don't know. Mm. All Somebody the hams. Write in and let us know what uh what what one of our UK they know listeners. The background let let me know why yeah. is there so much ham. Do you, do you not saying, know? Do you guys not know? I, not that know? I know. I don't do know. know. No, no, no. I don't no. know. I don't know. Oh. I thought that was like a setup. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be fascinating. This, nope. this is the, what we do. We the, just trail off and okay. go, I don't. This the is, setup hmm. is I'm throwing this in the symphony for one of our, I'm not going to say how many, but there are enough unique visitors in the UK that one of you motherfuckers yeah. has to tell me what's going on yeah. over there. Tell me why is there so much ham in all of your names? I want to know. You want to know. It's very fascinating. I love ham. I don't want to look. I know I could look it up. I don't want to. I wonder, I I wonder if it's because like English is Germanic language and there was like, you know, German tribes that I guess kind of like settled that way back when. And isn't ham like a German word or something and maybe Hamburg it, is like, yeah like yeah, one that comes Hamburg, to mind like ham and maybe it means like village or center or something i don't know you know it, that's that's a great i think linguistic a, because there's like closer than i would have thought right there yeah there's like berg in you know b-u-r-g in, yeah, in german Ville. like schomburg which is where i'm from and like you know so okay. yeah I don't know. shout out shompton yeah shompton shompton and uh, yeah, I don't know. These are great guesses. You're probably right. I, don't know. We'll I want see. I want one of our fans to, to let us know, or just anybody listening. That's an interesting observation. Open. And then we'll, we'll throw know. in the symphony next week. That's going to be great. Uh, but shout out to the UK. It's our, it's our second highest concentration of listeners. Really? That's out. great. Yeah, cool. It's great. Uh, cool. What else do I get for the symphony? Oh, this is something that I, you know, I didn't know this existed. I think it might be interesting or. Uh, relevant enough for our listeners. So apparently, for since the early '90s, Gibson has had what is called the repair and restoration shop. Okay. That uh, you know, of course, you'd, you'd imagine a company the size of Gibson, they have to have repair people and techs on hand for like warranty and that kind of stuff. But sure. it turns out that I guess sort of quietly, but for a long time, you could actually have them repair your stuff. And now they they've expanded it to the point now where uh, starting last year for like or I guess the last 18 months, they've really been expanding it, and now they will not only take in your Gibson in or out of warranty to repair, they'll take in any fucking guitar. Like they, Gibson will repair your Fender or your whatever guitar, That's you awesome. know, with really high end luthiers and repair people. They're simple to extreme here. There's a couple cool things about it though, that I, the reason I'm mentioning it one, they offer free virtual consult consultation via zoom. Oh, cool. So you can be like, yo Gibson, I've got this oh. thing with my Les Paul. The What's up? Fell and off then, my Les Paul. <laughs> right, let me do a zoom call with you for free. And then we can talk about it. Yeah. And they offer free shipping. 
Oh, what? To wait, and fro. really? Yeah, dude. Like so like even if you're forth. not in Nashville, well, well, I was going to say it's probably ship. a lot of people according from to the, all over I got the, US, the right? I got the press release. Yeah. I read it, and according to as far as my reading comprehension skills will lead me, it seems like. You get free shipping both ways, wow. which, you know, it's kind of, of course, some sort of salvo at the like small mom and pop type market. I would I would argue that you're probably not mailing your guitar for repair at that level anyways. But mm-hmm. regardless, I sort of can see that being an issue either way. You know, I, I'm I'm a big old Gibson fan. And uh, if if I had a guitar that was in or out of warranty that like wasn't vintage or something, I would definitely just send it right back to them no doubt yeah i wonder if they'll they'll take vintage they'll do anything then right oh they'll do full restorations i mean they've done finishing 50 and less pause all all sorts of stuff yeah i didn't i don't have the link in the thing here we can post it on facebook or whatever but uh yeah it's just it's called their the gibson repair and restoration shop they've they're now doing the the zoom consultations right now in nashville at like and it's probably where the from uh, nashville yeah the factory is right yeah Yeah, they've got nine it's nine full-time techs there but then i think it's like 10 to 15 or 20 maybe that come in and out and i was learning a little bit more about so remember our buddy noah pelty who was on the show now uh is the one handling the uh, gibson demo shop stuff on reverb uh, when they're posting all those sort of like like B stock or scratch and dent guitars now they have, I think it's like 20 people dedicated just to repairing and getting those guitars up and ready to sell for, for people to, you know, buy like they're from the Gibson used stuff. That's awesome. Pretty cool. I love that. Go Gibby. All right. Uh, let's get into bad fucking ideas. Uh, well, you know, let's start with a good one, actually a a GFI here. Uh, (laughs) so, as, as as some of you may know, we recently celebrated a holiday. Mm. Uh, it's not a real holiday unless you're a ding-dong, but, you know, I'm a ding-dong, <laughs> I'm so here it is. 420 happened this week, and to celebrate, HiWatt released a festive amplifier that uh, it was a 5-watt amp. I love this thing. Man. It was called the High 5, and... It, uh, they it, they released it in either a, a green livery, you know, obviously very on theme, or like a black one. But then they also released a matching cabinet, and instead of uh, high watt written on the badge, it just said four twenty. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's that's just that's just pretty great. It's I damn cool. It awesome. And I, however, I, yeah, go ahead, go on, go no, on. I, I, I was saying, I thought I read somewhere they only made a hundred of each model. It was very right? limited, and yeah, the pre order it was actually really cheap. The cabs were were totally affordable. Very they were affordable. you know shipping from the UK, so expensive. Uh, in that regard, but um, th- the reason I bring it up a is because I thought it was funny and, and go high watt, but but b um, they didn't they didn't call it the high watt. Yeah, like all they had to do was add gh to the name, and they had the name of the <laughs> new amp, and they didn't Damn. fucking take it, dude. Why they call it the high five? You you I mean, are I the get pun that it's master. A amp. They had such a good chance for such a great pun right there, and it was just all like, you. Ha- it's in your name already. It's the pun I mean, of all puns. And I also I also high watt. Here's a little free consultation for you. I usually charge a hundred dollars for this. I wrote your copy for you on this one. Get high on the low watt high watt by high watt. Oh god, I love it. <laughs> How so did good, they? Man. Why? Just ask me, please. If for any in the future, the for the rest of the world. If you need weed slash gear writing, I'm your dude. Just, just <laughs> please, just ask me. I've got it all. I do it for free. Look, I'm doing it for free right now. Here it is. Hi, Watt. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I thought it was <sighs> great. Um, and I and I'm, I wish I kind of. I almost bought one, but then once I saw how shipping, how expensive the shipping. Yeah, is. I was gonna say I love a good. I love a good little five watt. You know, especially a high watt or like a really cool high end boutique style uh, amp. You know, I'm I'm crazy about little five waters, but. 
This I'm, is maybe I'm one of the coolest I've ever sitting seen. next to one right now, man. Yeah, that's like, true. I'm you do you. have kind of I one do of the, the little old Gibson right there. That's right. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I still, I still kind of want to play one just to see what it feels, what they sound like. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a bat, or here's a BFI, I guess. Well, I don't know. Either way, uh, Ted Nugent got Rona, so Ooh. that just feels like something that was bound to happen, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he uh, he'd been denying it for the blast however long and then now he like basically almost died from it so i just you know i don't really have much to say about it i feel like it says a lot uh, on its own however i do want to remind anyone that our former guests on this podcast hand practices have a very very good song that i would highly recommend each one of you check out and that song is called ted nugent is a pussy (laughs) go search it on spotify it will show up the song's great uh the chorus is literally the the title of the song and then it goes into this like psychedelic jam it's fucking awesome go check Mm. it out uh Oh, oh my God. Dave, I've, wait, actually, you know what? I was about to jump ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Sorry to get too excited. Before I jump too far ahead into this thing I'm excited about, there is a good Craigslist ad that I wanted to bring up this week because uh, we haven't had one of those in a while. And it's, and it's this guy selling a vintage uh, Gretsch Shed Atkins, in, you know, beautiful old hollow Love body those, guitar. Man. Beautiful guitars. Orange finish, you know, the F holes, the whole thing. Well, the reason I bring it up is he's asking seven grand, which is definitely on the it's high end. Twice as much it, as it's worth. I mean, it depends. It's an it's a 1960 6120. That is kind of like the one. Yeah. But seven, you know, for it's we're talking about a museum piece. The reason that I the reason that I'm bringing it up is because he said in the in this listing, it's a 1960. The guitar the year was built was 1960. Mm-hmm. Guitar is in near mint condition. Now I'm now I quote, never taken outside house. Mm. So you're telling me in 62 years. You bought this guitar, brought it straight home, and then it stayed in that same home for sixty-two years. That is what that is what I am I'm to believe about this guitar. Probably because needs, if that's the case, needs maybe setup. it is worth seven thousand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might you might need to never think been about played taking it over to ever. a shop or something. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. Can I please? I'm sorry, I did not get to finish. So never le- never taken outside of ho- house. Blah 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 blah. No cracks. No rotted bind. Or no rotted blinding. Blah blah blah. Professional refret done. Wait, what? Oh. So you so you paid the you paid the luthier paid the to, come to come to your to home house? to do the shop. I, I guess. Maybe he's okay. the luthier. I don't know. That's Anyways, wild. I'm just gonna call I'm just calling bullshit on that. There's yep. no way this guitar has never left the house. That and I don't want. I actually don't think I want it if it's never. Left I don't the house want a guitar case, that's never been I'm, touched. I don't want to be the reason that it's that it's leaving the house for the first time. Maybe it's cursed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Dave. No, that's fair. <laughs> Sorry. What I want the reason I was about to get excited. You got really you excited. I, for a second, I watched. Be, I watched a, a former Dave's doc. Uh, again this Dude, this past week and right. i wanted to i wanted to mention it so uh, i might have mentioned before i might edit this part out we'll see or not but if recently i took some psychedelics and part of that trip i listened to some miles davis and so i finally watched miles davis birth of the cool on netflix Ooh, yeah and holy shit dude that documentary is so incredible but uh, the reason I bring it up is because I, there was there was a, a moment that happened in that documentary that I haven't laughed this hard in so fucking long. I had to actually write this quote down. So I, well, I didn't do a very good job of taking notes. But basically, there's a scene where uh, it's after Kind of Blue comes out. And at that point, Miles Davis, is he's just the coolest motherfucker on the planet, right? Like, everyone agrees. He just, like, dresses cool. He's made this, like, new kind of jazz that everyone thinks is just, like, the most badass. He's whatever. making serious so, money finally making some real ass money and so that's the thing he buys a ferrari <laughs> and so he's driving around in this ridiculous fucking ferrari and i can't remember who's telling the story it's either jimmy cobb or wayne shorter one of those two 
and uh, you know the, who played on the record. And actually, was Wayne Shorter on the record? No, I can't remember. I, what, either way, so uh, they're talking about it, and and it's this two seater Ferrari, and and you know, and that's the one thing that really stuck out to me too about the documentary is that everyone loves doing the Miles voice, like yeah. everyone oh, loves impersonating yeah. the Miles voice, right? right. So uh, so they're doing it, and 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 whoever's telling the story, they, they see they see him pull up, and the, you know, and at this, at this point, Miles is married. He's got like three kids. He's kind of this like family man, whatever. And uh, and and he pulls up in this Ferrari, and one of who are telling stories like they ask him like, "Man, I was like Miles, like what happens? Like, yo, what happens if you like, you know, your kids want to come with you? You know, you t- the, the kids want to like come to the studio where he goes, I tell them to get a taxi." <laughs> <laughs> I fucking cried laughing, like seriously, tears streaming down my oh, face man. after that, that line. Solid it was like everybody like telling the fucking Miles the Miles story. I do. I remember right, that scene specifically, man. That's of course, that's yeah, great. yeah, that's great. That's so, one I haven't uh, covered in Dave's docs yet. Um, you didn't? I thought that I thought that was a Dave's doc. Maybe. I mean, maybe it's dude. There's been so many. We've done you know, this is episode hard. 105, man. Yeah, it's hard to say. There's been a lot. They're all starting to blend together, but. Uh, I guess well, what I haven't done yet, though, dude, I haven't done the thing that I get to do every week, which yeah. is say those words. And I and I usually try not to say the words before I say the, sure. say the words, but here we are. So I'm just going to do it. Dave's Ducks! Boom. And I don't there have my tambourine is. here today. It's no like, tambo. No, I, I actually thought about grabbing it for today's episode, but uh, jingle, jingle. Um, yeah, Dave's Ducks I'll throw I'll throw a sample in. Don't worry. Oh, cool. Yeah, that'd be great. Just like a little soundboard action. Yeah. Um, okay, so we were talking last week about... We were talking about, well, I don't want to give it away too quickly. Let me, I like the buildup. So sometimes do, I watch yeah, docs where I know nothing about the band or the uh, person that I'm, that I'm watching the movie about. I think those are really- One that comes to mind you did recently about uh, Takeshi 69 Yeah, Takeshi 69 Fantastic documentary. Everybody check that out. It'll keep you on the edge of your seat. Um, but I, we were talking about Les Paul Juniors last week and mm. on last week's episode, and we were talking about the double cut- uh, single P90 at the bridge. Les Paul Did you Jr.'s. watch a New York Dolls documentary? And I watched Looking for Johnny, the legend of Johnny Thunders Dude, on Amazon no Prime. Um, it's first of all, I thought it was cool. It's it's done by Danny Garcia, who also did Rolling Stone: The Life and Death of Brian Jones, that we covered probably you know uh-huh. a few episodes ago, and yeah. uh, that was a fantastic doc. This was 2014. It's on Amazon Prime, so you can watch it for free if you have Prime. Um, pretty good doc, man. I gotta say, like I didn't know anything about. You know, uh, Johnny Thunders, I've heard the name everywhere. Didn't know anything about the New York Dolls. I I knew they were kind of badass, early 70s, um, kind of a glam rock, you know, kind of freak out, freak show type band. Um, And they were. It turns out they were. Hip us, man. Get us us in the know. Well, so obviously from New York, um, you know, you probably would have guessed that. Um, (laughs) Strangely enough, from Indiana band. Yeah. uh, he uh, He was totally straight edge when he found music. Uh, Johnny Thunders was, so I thought that was interesting, um, if you know anything about his character. Uh, they formed the New York Dolls after a few other bands. There were some great band names in this in this doc, by the way. One of them was called Actress, and that was the band that became the New York Dolls. I just thought Actress was a cool band name. For that's a great, that's a great band name. I love that. Um, it's such like an early 70s gritty kind of cool band name. So they formed the New York Dolls. They they turn into this like, they were actually one of the first dolls somebody recalls, or first, first dolls. They were one of the first bands somebody recalls that ever had the audience dressing up like them and like actually trying to like outdress them and kind of like, it became this like scene in a way, if you will, um, mm. where people were, you know, cause they wore outrageous clothes on stage and people started showing up kind of, kind of emulating that style according to someone in the, in the doc who was talking about it, you know, the first time. All they, right. Quick, 
a quick poll of the audience. If you could start a quick little, if you could start a little clothing trend for that, you, when you're playing shows, your audience dresses up like you. Yeah, I'll start with you, Dave. What would you wear to get your your audience dressing like you? Uh, just head to toe latex. Everyone's gonna want to see that. Oh, yeah, everyone's gonna want to see, especially coming out with that Ronabod. Ronabod, uh, and feet and hands covered too. I want to add, like no no seams anywhere, perfectly seamed. Well, that's that's just how you get good tone. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It just okay, holds everything. Head to toe latex. I'm into that. What do you Andrew, got? What do you got? <clears throat> or Andrew, what do you got? Oh man, isn't is. Isn't that like all of indie rock right now? Like the you know like the the dirt <laughs> the dirty old baseball hat or something and like the the jeans. No, um, I don't. It could be. I could the be. Sandlot. <laughs> the Sandlot look. Oh my god, that's pretty cool. Um, oh man, I like this the spandex thing. I don't know if I would feel comfortable doing that, but I like the idea. Yeah. Um, too. <laughs> um, man, I don't know. Like maybe like an oversized suit. Okay. Oh, you know, like, like, heads, yeah. like go like yeah. David Byrne. T- yeah, kind of like the yeah, just like the absurdly caricature suit, like almost like making fun of. I mean, I think that was the whole thing. Yeah. Right? They were making fun of like lower Manhattan. Um, yes. And yeah, so something like that would be cool where you just like mock huge the, shoulder pads. Mock the, I love that. Yeah. Mock the ruling class kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm super. Henry, what do you got? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm going to say poncho just because. Uh, I've I've been rocking Ooh. a poncho recently, like the, yeah. uh, like the Mexican style blanket poncho. Yeah, like the wool, like the wool or the. Well, I'm gonna be totally honest with you, fellas. Uh, what happened was is I was uh, going through a bit of a clothing purge, as one does from time to time, and mm-hmm. I found an ex girlfriend's oversized poncho sweater, and oh, yeah. oh, I just okay. put it on, and it looks great. Yeah, and so that's what it is. Uh, but now that and, and actually, it's come up in some previous episodes. We have talked about the ponch and my <laughs> desire to get one. So I, I, but this one just sort of found me, uh, and it's great. But I do now want a selection. I guess I would say of multiple ponchos. I don't want to force it though. I feel like it's the sort of thing that like it should happen sort of organically, like it did with me finding this one. Like maybe I'll just go yeah, on a trip, a trip and, somewhere, like, and maybe ponchos. I'll find myself in a poncho store. Right. I don't know. Maybe you think Alcala's we'll has some ponchos. Oh, Alcala's definitely has Ooh, some ponchos. I, be a good I live spot. a few, I like that spot. you know, a few blocks away from there. That'd be a good but, spot uh, to go look. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I'll be honest. There was one day on my daily journey of walking around the neighborhood where I might have semi-intentionally walked there with the idea of getting a poncho, and they were not open at the time. And I was oh. like, "All right, well, there it is. That's 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 part of the sign that I was looking for. I'm not oh. buying a poncho right now." <laughs> Shout out to El Calas, yeah. Shout out. Chicago, a Western store. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, sorry, we've totally derailed your entire. Oh, I forgot we were even. Oh, dude, take us back to you know what. This is what I love dolls. about the show. The man. This is this is what we do. Yeah. We're talking about docs. Right. We're talking about dressing up. Um, yeah, I guess you know what it came down to with the with the dolls was they really. Oh, man, I don't want to offend any listeners who who love the New York Dolls. They really weren't that good, man. They uh they they played really simple songs, and that doesn't mean that like you have to play you know, complicated stuff to be good. But to me, it was just very, um, uh, simplified music. And, and apparently that they couldn't even handle, like they would come out and people wouldn't know if, if it was really even going to be a good show or not. And I think that was a lot of their allure back then. You know, I think people would go to the show not knowing if they were even going to be in tune or be able to finish the songs or somebody was going to be unplugged through the entire set and not even realize it, like stuff like that, which I thought was Is it, was it the thing where they were just, you know, 
I don't, I, I, cause I don't honestly don't really know much about the history of them at all either. Was mm-hmm. it like, were they sort of, was it prefabricated? Is that why were, were they bad or was it, were they just like doped out? Like why, why yeah. wasn't it? Why uh, weren't they good? They weren't prefabricated. They were definitely, they were definitely being themselves. And actually what's funny about the story, they talk about kind of going back to like the fashion thing. They actually, I think one of the guys, I think it was maybe the singer or something was like really into fashion and he had like a, he had a loft like in the fashion district. And so I think they would just grab whatever cheap, weird clothes they could and cut them apart and wear those like around. They weren't just like, oh, these are our stage clothes. They would like sleep okay, in them, cool. wake yeah. up. That was kind of their just their look as a as a band as these, you know, four crazy, crazy looking dudes. Um, but anyways, I thought that was kind of cool. They got huge. I didn't know this before they were ever signed to a label in like 1971 or 72. They went to the UK. They were so big in the UK, they got to open for Rod Stewart at Wembley Stadium. What? Before wow. they were ever on a label. And you know oh. how big Rod Stewart was in the early 70s. Uh, like, yeah. It was crazy. So I thought that was wild, man. Um, you know, and then they got into um, they got into some of the other bands that he formed. Um, Iggy Pop got him into heroin, which was which was really un- which was really unfortunate for mm. uh, for Johnny Thunders, and that's ultimately what you know led to his demise. Um, but I would say this: uh, they talk about some of the other bands and some of his solo stuff. Nothing was as cool as the Dolls. I definitely want to see a full blown like start to finish documentary on the Dolls because even though they only lasted like four years, I think they have a really interesting story of just that fine line between not caring but also being like really fucking cool at the same time. Um, I know there are definitely a number of books about it. I don't think, yeah, I don't, yeah, know I don't think there's ever been like a movie or anything. And you know, I'm, I'm surprised, but, um, yeah, so it was pretty cool. I will say this Henry, cause you know, like I, we got into this talking about last week, talking about the double cut Les Paul jr. With the P nineties, they mm-hmm. talked about that in the movie. Like, uh, one of the guys was talking about how Johnny thunders thing was like, he would go buy that guitar. Cause you could get one literally at a resale shop for like $90. At the time, yeah, which, you know, I know that's inflation, whatever, guitars. but that's still like a couple hundred bucks nowadays or something. So, you know, that's relatively inexpensive. And then here's what he would do. He would play through a twin reverb and he would crank every single knob, including the reverb to 10. And that's how you get. <laughs> including the reverb. And yes. And that's how you get the Johnny Thunders, um, at least the New York Dolls level uh, tone that he, oh, wow. uh, that he had. So I thought that was pretty gear buds. Manageable, just totally normal, manageable stage volume. By the way, we have a, we have a twin <laughs> in our practice space that we've been using since the Vox is uh, going to the shop. Right. And you, I'm sure you've got Bro, to switch down to the 25 Watts it's, too. It's at two, it's at 2.5 on the, uh, on the volume <laughs> knob and any louder. It is like, I mean, earplugs don't even matter, dude. That's, that's oh, clearly yeah. one of the loudest amps I've ever heard. So. I, I, I toured with the twin. That's for that yeah. was, yeah. I, and one of the heaviest, I must say too. So. Yeah. It's great for your lower back. Um, yeah. But also, awesome movie man i would check it out you know it gets a little sad at the end because they get into the drug thing which i'm realizing a lot of these docs do and i'm I'm just got to become a little thicker to this kind of stuff but it is kind of sad he passed away in 1991 he was only 38 years old um, which he looked about 58 when he died he looked really bad Mm -hmm. um i will say this there's a really cool quote after they were kind of got past the sad part of him dying um somebody's talking about they they were talking to bob dylan once and bob dylan said quote I wish I would have written You Can't Put Your Arms Around a Memory, which oh. was a Johnny Thunders song that he wrote, I think, on like a probably one of his solo bands. And so when Bob Dylan says that about you in a song you wrote, arguably one of the greatest yeah. songwriters of our time, <laughs> sure. that's amazing, dude. So I thought that was a really cool way to kind of end the movie and sum it all up, you know. So he wow. was he was I, I was gonna ask, where should I start with this like not doll stuff? But I guess now I know. Start with that yeah. song. Well, so yeah, I, I listened to that actually before the episode because I I, rem- I wrote it down here that uh, that quote and I was like, oh, I didn't listen to the song yet. And it's it's a cool song, man. I would say 
you know, he was definitely a really good songwriter um, in that mm. kind of simplistic um, three, you know, three to four chord approach, you know, but good melodies, um, you know, really, really good stuff there, man. So nice, man. Very I cool. give me, give me, give me an arbitrary rating. Arbitrary rating. I mean, it, it, you know, it wouldn't be appropriate to use anything, but Les Paul Jr.'s is the rating. Mm. So I'm going to give it a strong seven out of 10 Les Paul Jr.'s just because the second half was kind of sad with, you know, him getting sick and getting addicted to drugs. But I thought if you're a, if you're a huge Johnny Thunder fan and you haven't seen the movie, which you probably have, you might enjoy it a little more than me because you know a little more of the story in the background. Um, so yeah, I would say definitely check it out. Amazon Prime. What was it called again one last time? Uh, it's called Looking for Johnny, The Legend of Johnny Thunders. 2014. Oh, very cool. Okay. Nice, do- Great. nice job, Dave. Yeah. Right. Enjoy. Great Thanks, job. man. All right. Well, now that takes us to a little bit more a little bit more focus on Andrew here. So and the way we like to do that is through a segment. We call a couple two tree randos where I just I'm just gonna hit you with a couple two tree rando questions. So let's okay. just do it. Okay. If you could swap places with any band member of any band, past or present, living or dead, doesn't matter, your talent or theirs, who would that be and why? Wow. Um if I could swap myself out man i'd probably be the drummer in the band talk talk i think that would be really really fun wow yeah um like there's this uh there's this really wonderful um live performance of them from i think montro jazz festival um and and it's just this like mid i think probably mid 80s yeah and this guy's just got this crazy big drum set and i'm not like i'm a very minimal like drum person or drummer slash you know drum producer um mm. I, I like very minimal things but this is just so absurd and like not even like in like a neil pert way but just in like a weird like like just bizarre like instruments and bizarre like electronic drums that he's got he's got like an electronic drum set next to his real drum set and cool. he's like his shirt's off and he's got this like ponytail i don't know it's just this and the way <laughs> that he hits the drums and like the way that he just exudes like just joy is i don't know i just every time i see that and then hear his playing i'm just like man this would be so much fun to be this guy hell yeah dope answer i love that that's and it's gonna give me something to check out because i have never yeah check out um it's weird it's like yeah it's it's like one of those it's like my one of my favorite bands so like and they're like a bizarre band but their evolution is is just absolutely wild um like they go from that that type type of playing and then like i think like two records later or something they're just like this ambient like Brian Eno, um, there's this record called Laughing Stock that's just like just all just drony, and then there's drums in it, but they're acoustic drums. It's just it's so cool. Anyway, oh man, um, Hell yeah. yeah, can't wait. All right, what is the first thing you listen to when you hear a song for the first time? Oh man, it's weird. Like I nowadays, I just I listen for production, which is not good, and I'm trying very very hard. <laughs> Not to do that because as, I mean, like you, mean, yeah. you know, like as a like I'm, I feel like I'm just at this really weird spot in my in my life and career, quote unquote career. When when like when you ask that because it's, I don't know, like I'm doing so much home recording and like self producing now that I'm just constantly focused on sounds rather than songs. Um, but yet I'm still like obviously focused on songs. Um, but now it's production. And I'm trying to like wean myself, like 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 un- unravel that and just literally just listen to like the actual goodness of the song if there is any. Um, sure. But now, so but you know, I, I'll say yeah. I'll add though, I, and that's I I, I relate to that one hundred percent. It's just that I, I can't escape it. Yeah. But what I found is that when they're 
what, what that technique has helped me with is enjoyment of things. Like when I'm forced to be in a situation where I'm listening to something that I don't like, which, you know, taste being as it is, is a lot mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. I can just default to listening to the production and, and thinking about why they made a certain choice or yeah. like how That's they got point. to a certain type of cool sound in there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like there's very, very, very rarely a situation where a song comes on and I can't find something to engage with. In. Yeah, totally. And, and, and usually that is via the the drums frankly or the product, mm. like some facet of the production yeah definitely um i i would say that yeah i would say now now in my life i would listen to it's which is weird because as a songwriter i I'm, i've always always listened to melody and then like mm-hmm. harmonic structure like chords and stuff um but now i'm like oh what's the snare drum gonna sound like when it comes in <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah so. well so much of the energy and movement of of listening the listening experience like people aren't don't give a fuck about your 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 interesting minor second or whatever i know like no one cares <laughs> you know but they do care if they have some cool energy and build up and release and it's like well what are the mechanics of making that happen well that's that's the production right exactly yeah, and then some drum sounds that I'm like that I've made that I'm like I I really don't like these or like they're just very very like they sound like I just did it in a garage which I did. Someone will be like, yeah. "Hey man, how'd you get that that drum sound?" That's and I'm like, "Dude, I like put a 57 on it and I played it with a highlighter that I had like in my pocket <laughs> at the time." I I mean that was someone questioned and I was like, "I hate that sound. What are you talking about?" Like, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it, it's 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 interesting. So that is interesting. If okay, I thought this question. I, I I've asked this before, but I thought it was, it was apropos considering. Uh, if you could take a lesson from anyone, any any musician, yeah, living or dead, who would that be? Damn. Um, like any music lesson, any instrument yeah, lesson, yeah. Sure. Any 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 music lesson. Oh man, um, it might have to be, uh, like Steve Albini, maybe. And I that sounds kind of weird because obviously he but he does play music. He's a great musician. But Oshlack um, is my favorite live band. Really? Oh damn! I gotta see them. Oh, yeah. so much. Um, I don't know. I just just the, the more more so like just to engage with his like energy level and his yeah. approach to music just in general as being such like a a, a physical analog like ideal. Um, I like that a lot. Uh, I think it would be really fun to like just have him like tell me what to do and like you know right. like this isn't you should play this way more like this or something like that you know i don't know it would be which I, is funny because that's like the opposite of what he wants to do too like he, that's true he's he, you know he's 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 a documentarian in so many ways like because there's that's a thing about him too there's so much of his content on the internet now and i've watched i'm also obsessed with his point of view yeah i've watched all of it and that's the thing he's like I like I'll I he's like I'll pretty much never tell you if I think something's good or bad because I just don't care. Yeah, that's like, true. I'll, I'll, I'll like tell you if it if it's recorded properly, but not you know like if it's if I think it's good or not. Oh, okay. Because I just don't give a shit, and that's kind of. But the that's point is point. that he you can do that. Like all you have to do is hire him to yeah. record you at Electrical Audio, and then you'll right. get his fucking his, <laughs> I just his wanna, information. Yeah, and I just want him to like show me things on guitar too, and like yeah, or oh drums for in, for instance. Yeah. yeah, one of my friends, Bo. Sorensen who I make records with he he works at electrical audio like here and there and he he like he thinks Albini's just like the greatest because like Steve Albini Steve Albini and they're like having coffee in the like maybe my friend is like working in the B B room and then Steve's in mm-hmm. A or vice versa or whatever and then they're like in the coffee you know like the kitchen coffee room or Get whatever some fluffy coffee. yeah and then and then they're like talking and shooting the shit and 
Bill's like, hey, man, how, what's going on? And then Steve Albini's like, yeah, there's like this 15-year-old like band that whose parents are paying to like record with Steve Albini at, at Electrical <laughs> sure. Audio. And it's like Steve Albini's like, man, like we're getting some good stuff. Like I put these, uh, you know, these coals on the drums and like I put these, uh, I don't know, I'm not big, you know, Josephson's, I think. I don't know. Is that a mic? Um, Josephson's on the, on the Tom. Yeah, yeah something like that. And like, and just like talking as though he was actually recording like Dave Grohl in Nirvana, you know, but, yeah. but it's like this, like this teen band from Kansas or something, you know? Sure. I love that. He takes it. He really, he's, he does yeah, read everything equally. He's like yeah, a tradesman, awesome. you know, it's like a trade yeah, to him. Exactly. And I love that. I love that philosophy of like, yeah, let's just make things sound good. I don't care exactly or where you come from or where you're you're ranked and you know yeah. it's it's a really Plus really cool never, way you never know it could be the next nirvana or something you know yeah exactly like yeah. and then he's just and, like and he doesn't take points it. so he doesn't give a shit he no. just wants to yeah. make the best possible yeah. Yeah. His record be from on. his studio because his name's on it and then more people will come to the studio and i think it's exemplified by the fact that he wears fucking like yeah. work bibs yeah. to the <laughs> studio every day you yeah know? like this the, doesn't have to be the like stroke off steve albini episode necessarily no. but i guess we do that kind of a lot anyway so that's oh not, really it's, it's been a while yeah. i think yeah, yeah. it's fine <laughs> oh that's it. cool. no it's a good one all right that's a great here, answer. here we go um so what i like to do also then is get uh, a question from our guest so the question from our previous guest uh kevin tabis Go listen mm-hmm. to that episode if you haven't. I, we haven't mentioned that. Uh, oh, man. Real good one. Go go back and check that out. But yeah. his question that he wants to know is, uh, what did you learn about yourself and what did you gain as a positive from this whole you know last year plus of pandemic lockdown business? Yeah. Well, very good question. Um, what did I learn about myself and what, what was positive about that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Gosh, that is a hard question. Um I learned that I am, uh, I, I, I think in, in a musical sense, I, I learned that it's really important to continue to play music. Um, I, I don't know if I felt, I, and I still am struggling with like, should I keep going with this? You know, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I've, I've, you know, with, with the pandemic, when the pandemic hit, I started teaching lessons a lot more, um, especially online, because I would, I, I'm on like a kind of like a, a teaching website where I'm like ranked and there's a background, I'm like background checked and things like that. So it's like mm-hmm. very accessible to like a quick Google search, like wherever you are in the world and you can find a guitar or a piano, online piano teacher. And so I, I started teaching a lot of lessons during the beginning of the pandemic, like from all over the country, because everyone was at home and they wanted to pick up a guitar again or pick up a piano. And so I started, um, and I'm still like, kind of like teaching a a lot, a lot more than I, than I have in the past, which is good, but it it also like, there's not as much time for music. And I think Mm -hmm. that, that me uh, learning to carve out more time um, to to write and play and record and just keep going and like giving myself little goals like, um, you know, uh, booking studio time in, for instance, I have some studio time up in Seattle that it's, that's booked, um, in August and I have no idea what I'm going to do there, but I have like two days that I'm going up there to record and, and just giving myself like little goals to like, like finishing record. And I like, I have a finished record and I continued to work on that through the pandemic and just slowly, but like allowing myself 
patience. And I think that's one thing that I, I learned a lot in the last year or two was like, just be patient because we all have to be so patient right now, you know? Um, like, Don't have a choice, really. Yeah, yeah, like we can't play with bands and we can't play live and we can't like work on music the way that we all used to work on music and and just the idea of like allowing yourself to breathe a little bit which is not in a place that i'm in or it's not a place that i'm in right now because i just moved to a new place and i'm trying to set up like a workspace and it just it hasn't been working for me so i'm very frustrated and and this and that but i'm i'm learning to like okay it's going to you know it's going to be okay it's going to be weird for right now but if you give yourself little like goals and little um, okay, cool. Well, if I get some songs like together, I'm just going to force myself to write, and then in August I'll go record them with a friend of mine in Seattle and stuff like that. You know, yeah. just like patience so it's, it's and patient. It's patience. It's but it sounds also like this idea, this of of this deliberate nature of yeah. like, devoting energy to it. You have to actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. mindfully as we get older kind of carve yep. that time out and and maybe part of that too is this nesting in your new space like being yeah. deliberate it might you don't have to always be productive in the same type of way but as long as you're making sure to to yep. think to, to be mindful of doing something towards it then that's yeah the positivity. i'm definitely not as uh i guess productive would be the word yeah i guess i'm not as productive as i as i once was but i um but I am like, you know, I'm, I'm, and I've also another positive thing uh, along with the, the learning of patience and, and whatnot is, you know, being, getting a little bit better at recording at home, you know, and, mm-hmm. and like really doing like, it, it's weird. It's like one of those, like, I, I love being in studios so much, um, but I'm also, and I don't, I don't yet love recording at home because it's kind of like. Uh, just like I don't know how to use compression. I don't know how to u- put this mic. Where do I put this mic? It's you know, scary, like yeah, yeah, a lot of experimentation. And it's stuff. just all experimentation, which is what it was in the beginning when I was a little kid writing songs. Though you know, cool. like I don't know what this is, and you just do it, and you know, one day you walk out and you're like, oh, that's there's a song there, and so I've gotten I've gotten um, uh, more interested in recording at home and more like dedicated to to doing um, to to making demos turning them demos into actual songs kind of thing and and figuring out how to mic drums and you know and stuff that i've just never ever had to do because when i was in bands in chicago i mean we just we would just practice and practice and write songs in a practice space and then and then have the songs ready to go in a studio book studio time do the songs and i had no idea what like a microphone like why you know someone was putting a microphone this way on you know in you know on my voice or whatever right. and yeah so i don't know so that that's a positive that's very thing positive. i love that and yeah. i think a lot i think a lot of people like in my position or your guys position are just getting more autonomous with with music which is good um because i i think it's i think it's just like more democratizing musicians and and not saying that studios are gonna go away and i hope they never do but um mm-hmm. but i think it's empowering people in a way that um that they probably weren't forced or, you know, um, pushed to do before the pandemic. Dude, I don't know. Could not agree more. That's yeah. that is 100%. very, very real. Yeah. Uh, last one here for a couple to tree. Uh, what question should we ask our next guest? And you don't get to know who they are. Oh, actually I, I lied. <laughs> Normally you don't get to know who they are. Oh yeah. Shit. I already, unfortunately <laughs> already spoiled who our next guests are. And those are the directors of the, the, the pedal movie. So, oh. What would you like us to ask the director of the pedal movie? <laughs> Wait, is this that is the first, it, ladies and gentlemen? What's the pedal movie? 
The Pedal movie is a movie that comes out on Wednesday that chronicles the. It's a documentary about the sort of development and then history and then current state of, of pedals, and it was made by Reverb and yeah, Michael uh, Lux. I love stuff. Michael Lux. Michael Lux yeah. used to be he used to be a recurring bass player of minor characters, actually. So. Well, um, I, I haven't talked to him in a while. The but connection, I, the connections are deepening as we speak. Yeah. So what do you want us to ask X? What do you want us to ask? Man, I'm having a real hard time with that sentence. <laughs> what do you want us what to ask What do you them? want us to ask Lux? There we yeah. go. Yeah. Oh, man. I love Lux so much. Um, He, uh, okay. I want to know what, well, uh, I want to know why they, well, I could probably could guess why they wanted to do it because it's a fascinating topic. But what was the actual mm-hmm. most... Like there's probably like a, a point at making a documentary like that, and this is what I think about like in all documentaries. But that that the the the, the creators or the 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 directors of the movie are like, holy shit, this is awesome. Like we we like got to a point where we're like, this needs to be out in the world, and there's got to be like some sort of climax within the documentary or the do- mm. the documentary the documenting of the documentary where they were mm. like, wow, this is this is amazing, and I want everyone. I know to see this, you know, like what was that moment when making oh, that cool. documentary? That's perfect. Can't wait. A little behind the scenes action. I love it. Yeah. Well, you're going to, you're going to have to listen. I'm, do- uh, I'm next, totally going to listen. Week, yeah. Then. So now then you'll know. Interesting. All right. Well, this is, this is perfect. Let's, uh, you already mentioned, I mean, let's take it back. You already mentioned growing yeah. up in the, the old suburbs of Chicago where, um, you know, was there a lot of music in the house growing up? Like, how did you, how did you first get that sort of yeah. inkling to, to get into that stuff? Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I grew up in, uh, just a, a town called Roselle, which is a small town right um, just south of uh, Schaumburg. Um, and yeah, there was music. Uh, all My parents were both musicians and they were public school teachers like during the week and then they would play gigs and my dad played guitar and sang and my mom like played percussion and sang harmony and they had like a, a duo, you know, and they oh, play wow. like, yeah, yeah. They play like pizza parlors and, uh, you know, fests and restaurants and, and anything. And they just did like Simon and Garfunkel Okay, Everly so wait, I've got to ask. I, I yeah. was I was picturing I was picturing I was picturing a mighty wind. How far off uh, from that? We're pretty close. I mean, once we started, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Once we, my sister and I, my sister sings, and I played. I think I played. I started playing drums first. So as soon as I could, my dad was like, "Yeah, you could, you, you could play some drums. Yeah, come on." So I, I would play. Um, but I was so you know, it, it was yeah, it was great. And and um, they played at church. So we had um, mm-hmm. we went to a Catholic church and. Uh, they were every Sunday they'd play. They were like the cantors at the church. And so we were, you know, we, I mean, they play Saturday night at like Pizza Cottage, which is this little pizza place on Irving Park. And then they'd, um, uh, the next morning we'd wake up and, and, and go to church and sing and play. And so it was always in my, you know, yeah, music was very big and my uncles all played and, um, the town that I grew up in was, uh, very musical minded too. um, our like our high school band was was just incredible like uh, the marching band i was in the marching band um glenn Kochi from marching band yeah i was a snare drum snare drummer in the lake, oh, cool. lake park marching band and once you know it was just a very very we won state and they won nationals in 1996 um but it was before my time but so it was a really really rich and um uh just great music program. Um, Man, that's yeah. cool. I think I sort of stepped on. You were saying it was Glenn Kochi went there. Yeah, Glenn Kochi is from my hometown. Um, oh, I didn't realize that. Wow. Yeah, and his dad used well. The the reason my my 
Yeah, so Glenn Coach's dad, they were also like a St. Walter's Catholic family, like so everyone was friends. And so the coaches mm-hmm. were they they were way much older than us cuz I'm 35 and I think Glenn is in his early 50s now or something. Um and I right, believe yeah. he was the youngest. Anyway, I think or maybe ah, he's okay. got one younger, but yeah, but anyway, but much older than us. But anyway, so Bob Coachy, Glenn's dad was a piano teacher. And so he would come over to our house every week and teach my sister and I piano. And then, and this was when we were like, you know, f- five to ten. And then I started playing let drums. Me, let me quickly add, yeah. for anyone who doesn't know, Glenn Kochi being, of course, an amazing drummer, uh, a friend, many things, but most well known for Wilco. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, sorry, go on. <laughs> no, yeah, totally. I mean, this is way before Wilco. But um, yeah, yeah sure. this was, uh, I don't know, mid-90s maybe. And so when I started playing drums, um, which more academically in school, um, my parents were like, oh, we should get him a drum teacher. And then Bob Kochi was like, well, my son plays drums. And he, I think he was, he had been in New York doing some stuff. Uh, and then he was back in, in the suburbs teaching. And so he would come over to the house and teach me drums. And um, he was in a band called the Cross Crooks at that time. And I still have, I still have the CD in my somewhere, somewhere oh, yeah. stored away. But yeah, there's this blackmail. Band. There you go. You just hit him off some bills. Like, I hey, think I, I, I think... need you to join my, join my band or the cross crooks. Yes. On the they get, a, yeah, they get put up on Spotify. <laughs> one, yeah. One time he came over, he did like a kind of a clinic or he would more of like a performance, uh, percussion at the high school that I went to. And this was when I was in minor characters and, and older and, but he had come, come through. And so my friend and I, uh, went to go see him who used to also take lessons from him and keeps in contact with him. And, and we went to a bar after, after like the, sh- the performance or whatever. And I was talking to him about the cross crooks and he was like, dude, how the hell do you remember that? I was like, <laughs> yeah. I have this, I kept the CD, man. You gave me a CD and I kept it, you know? Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so That's Glenn, so Glenn was a, so then when Glenn joined Wilco in 2001 ish, um, which today was actually the 20th anniversary of his first record with them, but, or no, sorry, 19th, the 19th f- anniversary, f- right? Yankee Hotel Foxtrot Day? Yeah, 19th. Yeah, because it was. came out my senior year of high school. Really? Okay. So 19, or 2002. Yeah, two, or maybe was, 2001, I guess. No, it was, it was 2002 because it's the 19th anniversary of this year. So it's okay. next yeah, year's yeah. year. Yeah, so I was a soft, I was a sophomore in high school? Yeah, I was a sophomore in high school. So then when that came out and it just like blew up critically um glenn was like like all the teachers in the high school that i went to were like oh my god glenn Kochi, like you know like the you know great there's a grammy and like this all all this stuff i think they they won for that record and and it was just glenn just blew up and mm-hmm. and so we all just like got reconnected with him or tried to you know Ever, and so of course yeah and so he came and we were just the you know bratty little kids but we he, um I remember my high school. I remember reaching out to my high school with my high school band and emailing Glenn and like asking to open for Wilco. You know, like, <laughs> oh hey, you man, you gotta try, man. Oh. You gotta try. You know, it's That's just awesome. so cringy now. But um, but yeah, he would come to like band, you know, like marching band practice because and and. He'd come and sit in the sidelines, and, and our instructors would come up and be like, "Hey, just so you guys know, like, you better, you better, you better do good because Glenn's on the Glenn's, you know." And then we're like, "Oh my God, Glenn's here!" And we'd like run over oh, there, and up. yeah. Wow. So, um, so, so crazy, you're playing, man. so you're playing drums in in your all your like high school bands and stuff. No, I was point? no, I was actually um, just playing drums academically, really. Okay. Um, oh, okay. But I was no, I was when I, I started a band when I was in like sixth grade or so, and I was just a, singing and songwriting for that and playing my Fender. Mexican strat, um, my fat strat. Do you 
do you still have that? I do. Strap? Yeah, it's a fat strap. Nice. Yeah, I still have the fat strap. Yeah, love that. Because um, yeah, I was going to ask. Because I mean, obviously, you know, I, maybe not obviously, but if I can just sort of uh, compliment you for a moment, one of the I, I think the sort of defining characteristics of you is your is your is your singing voice. You have it's a very unique, strong, fantastic singing voice, oh, and so thanks. I'm just kind of interested in kind of you know where. Yeah. D- did you were you were you were you fully formed at that point? Did it take time for you to kind of find your own singing voice? Because I I, I find that even as someone that's sang in a lot of bands in my life i still don't necessarily feel like i have mm-hmm. my own voice and, and i would say that you are someone that does so like it, it, was that something that was kind of always there or was that something that sort of developed uh throughout your songwriting throughout your life yeah i mean it def it definitely developed uh into what it is now but i remember as soon as i could i was singing and playing you know like as soon as i mm-hmm. could like form formulate a few chords and guitar i was singing and mm-hmm and then writing basically my own songs and so i've been singing that's like the singing thing which is why that other question you said um about what you listen for immediately when you Mm -hmm. hear a song is like is in melody you know um and the way that the singer is 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 uh um phrasing the melody you know and so i but it took me i i think it would it i could say that it, it took me until my probably when I was 20, right post, eh, maybe the end of college was when I would say that I found my voice. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, I was like, in you know, in middle school band, it was like, let's try to be Nirvana. And sure. like, and also Hootie and the Blowfish for some reason. Um, we loved Hootie and the Blowfish, man, and Nirvana. Um, so then there was that. And then high school was very much a Dave, unfortunately, a Dave Matthews kind of thing. That um, did happen. Yeah, yeah, Dave Matthews and Guster. And, yeah, a little bit of Smashing Pumpkins. But but I, I did not have great musical taste in high school, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, uh, and then college was more like, oh, I found Bob Dylan and John Prine and all these mm-hmm. guys, and I'm trying to do folk music now. And then, and then it like, and then it eventually evolved until into like what it is now. I would say. So like, so when you're thinking about, I mean, you talked about this idea of being a songwriter, and something that, you know, I've I already mentioned. I first met you, and, and I think Dave would have probably crossed paths with you back in the day when yeah. you were playing this band, Minor Characters, here mm-hmm. in Chicago, and obviously, you know, a former guest and friend such Shelby Pollard also in that yeah. band. Yeah. When you're, you know, when you're thinking about yourself now as a songwriter and, and yourself then, and this idea, and it's, and I ask mostly also because I, I find myself going through this as well like do you find yourself writing differently now than you did then knowing that the stuff that you're writing now is only for yourself or or versus writing Mm -hmm. songs for a band sort of more ensemble approach to to creating something yeah um i i don't really know um i mean there's uh, maybe in like more of the rhythmic sense i would i would probably have a lot less um uh basis in in like thinking about what the drums are going to sound like you know like which is a big thing when you're in a rock band right it's like how the Mm -hmm. hell are the drums going to fit in this song Mm -hmm. or how what are the drums going to be doing because it informs everything there's there's always that moment you bring your song for the first time and it's like what the fuck is the drummer i know like because you sort of have maybe an idea in your head and then they play something completely different and it's like well that's wrong it's wrong until until it's right yeah yeah and it's all not to mention your your drumming background too has got to have a little bit of an influence on how you something should sound Definitely. Yeah. I always know what the drums should be and what they should sound like or what they, what the part should be. And, and now I can just do that. Like I just play all the stuff on the fur trader stuff. So, yeah. um, I'm just playing everything and which is not 
I don't know. I don't wouldn't say that I love doing that because I miss being in a room or playing, collaborating with other people. But sure. for now, it's I can just kind of do everything and it works. But um, but so I do think about drums and things in a different way. But I know that I can do them. Like I do, I compartmentalize. So it's like okay, well, I'm gonna have this song be like this and I'm going to make sure that I can play the drums for this or I just know what the drums are going to be like so I don't have to think too much about about like what they're going to be like so I can just focus more on the song but in terms of style and stuff I um like tempo is a big thing right it's like a lot of the my new stuff is uh, a lot slower than 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 the other stuff I've been doing and I kind of like that it feels good i mean i kind of want to get a- away from that a bit but uh but i kind of just write the way that i used to write and then i just f- i figure everything as it goes and afterwards rather than for people figuring out how it goes so i, I don't think the the process is totally different you know mm-hmm. um i definitely so, so you weren't bringing like a riff and an idea you were kind of bringing here's a song yeah let's let's flesh it out with some more instrumentation less than like here's an idea let's flesh out a song uh yeah yeah i mean the the barest thing that i or the barest piece of skeletal you know song that i would bring to a band would be Mm -hmm. like a verse and then somewhat an idea of a chorus um and then and then we'd format the arrangement of it and and but a lot of times i didn't really have to rewrite anything it was like how do we how do we put uh a you know how what do we change about the chorus of this this you know the second chorus and maybe we maybe we write a bridge together and stuff like that and and I'm kind of doing yeah, that bridge smidge I mean you write yeah. the bridge when you have to some write songs it. don't right. even need a bridge no you don't need a, you really don't need bridges <laughs> but bridges are always like the fun the fun part I think. they really they're are, the fun yeah. they're the fun part yeah um but yeah I've been I've been kind of like so I kind of just like learn so much like from like working with like Shelby and and Adam and and those guys in minor characters that that like really pushed me to to think about song structure and like brevity because <laughs> I mean like I you know now it's like I bring less to the table in in a sense than I used to like I used to bring out songs that that had like four verses and three courses and like a bridge here and then a bridge there yeah. and then an outro yeah. and an intro and and they're like why why are we doing this song like that you know and so yeah. we would cut fat and and you know that was kind of like the thing the the workflow that we had was like i would bring in this crazy long song and we'd cut it down and so now i'm kind of doing that myself um and so now i'm bringing other things like i'm working with uh, my friend mark wallach would be a great yeah, a great yeah, gonna wow. bring, yeah definitely gonna bring that up on here um uh, let me let me pause you there because yeah. there's a couple things i want to get to first but sure. uh, before we leave minor characters i want to ask as i was thinking about it is that was the name is that a reference to the kerouac biography yeah it is yeah the joyce okay. johnson biography yeah, yeah mm-hmm. right yeah okay. yeah that's a cool yeah that we were trying to figure out a name and um i would just moved into a a third floor apart, third floor apartment in Bucktown and Shelby was going through my um my books and found uh found this copy of minor characters and he's like this is this is the name <laughs> so it's a great like, name oh, because so it also cool. you know it's sort of a comment on yeah. your place in in culture totally well, so it's and like it was a, like a really like any good art yeah totally and it was a really interesting time because it was like right as the wall as wall street was like the the black Lives or not sorry black lives matter but um the occupy wall street movement was uh-huh. just starting sure. and so it was like this i mean we wrote a whole record about like being left behind by you know wall street in a way so um so it was just a it was a great it was a great little moment yeah mm-hmm. 
All right, let's uh, let's jump forward to this this most re- recent record that you put out last year, right? Uh, yeah, last year's model. Yes, yes. So, uh, speaking of names, I mean, I've got to ask the obvious question: Is that a reference to Elvis <laughs> Costello? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, sweet. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm two for two. two this for is two, great. Man. Yeah, man. Yeah, um, really great. And and also tell, tell me because so I'll just be honest. Uh, I don't typically ever pay attention to lyrics. Yeah. If I do, it's like. 50 listens deep yep, you know me, yeah um, i'm actually kind of similar. so i i did i did listen to the record a couple times but um i will i will say that a, a few things did jump out to me lyrically so i have to it, is this it sound it seems to me like this record is kind of about you you moving from yeah. chicago to, to california is Absol- that right absolutely yes tell us tell us about that what happened like where what's what made you leave what's what's yeah. going out in california what's all that stuff yeah that's great great question um I, yeah, I mean, it was a few years coming and I still have a lot of like unfinished business in Chicago, unfortunately, but, um, I, yeah, it was, um, my then girlfriend and now wife, uh, congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. About a, I don't know. I got married about a month ago ish, month and a half. So yeah. But, um, this is your, uh, your honeymoon podcast. This is my honeymoon podcast. Yeah. It's in quarantine honeymoon podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, uh, yeah. So I, we had, I met her in 2015 in Los Angeles out there visiting my childhood friend, Mark Wallach. And, um, we, you know, we didn't really, um, uh, connect on that trip or anything, but she, she's from Chicago, she's from Naperville. And so she, um, was living in LA and I came out, we met and then she flew, she was visiting Chicago and then we went on a date and the rest is history. And so she moved to Chicago then to be with me and we lived there and from like 2015 to 2019. Yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, we, but then the few years before moving out there was a very like, kind of tumultuous time with the band and my in myself and in my work and my 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 teaching lessons and I was driving like a ton out to the suburbs every day or actually six seven days a week sometimes and I was just burnt out you know I was burnt out with um with Chicago and I was burnt out with the in the band and then my work and and she's like we should we should go back to la and i was like nah, 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 nah. i'm gonna i gotta i gotta keep going i gotta keep going i gotta see this out and and i was working on that minor characters the last minor characters record and it was a very important uh thing for me and the guys and we uh i was like no i, I gotta finish this i gotta finish this and we did it with steve shirk who was in a, a former mm. gear buds podcast yeah. oh yes yeah um and uh L- love some steve shirk. oh love man steve. i love nicest guy ever nicest guy ever yeah and uh so yeah so we were on that and then she's like let's just go let's go like you know like you can still be in minor characters you could still do this thing like you just you need a change and i want to change this situation too Mm -hmm. and um so finally i said yes and we uh we moved in like january of 2019 and um, and then last year's model is kind of like a reflection on on that on on the before uh, moving the during moving and then the after moving so yeah, yeah. it kind of it kind of jumped out at me in the in the empty bottle song i was like yeah oh, man. well first of all i just i miss going to empty yeah bottle. And then i was like yeah. with some words jumping out at me fat ass rats i'm like wait what's going on here there's some there's some deeper themes happening <laughs> like, oh shit this is his record about about moving that's that's really cool tell us about it so <clears throat> um you know, obviously, we we kind of understand some of the content at this point, but what was the the mechanics of actually recording it? Where did you do it? Yeah, that's great. Um, I did it um, 
while uh be i did it a few tracks with shirk at shirk studios mm -hmm. um after the minor characters record um we can't be wrong was released which was april of 2018 and then between and then i moved in january of 19 so that that window of time i spent with steve working on mm -hmm. i think three of the songs um and then i moved to la with those three songs and then we kind of did a we kind of did a remote uh, mixing and recording thing for those few and then I recorded the rest uh, in my garage at the last place that I lived and with the highlighter on the snare drum the highlighter and the snare drum in the third song October yeah I, oh really I, yeah right, now I gotta listen for that yeah it's yeah I don't think you, I don't know if you could hear the highlighter but it's definitely <laughs> I definitely did not play with a drumstick because the place was so small and I was like I was trying to get this this done and i was like i don't want to look for a stick <laughs> so i'll just look for <laughs> so i took a highlighter and played it but um, it's like the that's like the story of hendrix playing the slide part on all along the watchtower with a bic lighter because that's yes yeah, that's yeah. what yeah you just yeah you can't like yeah you you're just yeah you don't want to be taken out of the moment in a way so um but yeah so that then i did the rest there i believe yeah i think that's yeah, that's it. I didn't go to any studios. And so you here. played you played everything yourself on that record. Um, yeah. So I think uh, the bad the last song Badlands, Steve Shirk played a lot of things on that on that. Oh, really? On that tune, yeah. There's Farfisa in there. There's uh, there's like a second acoustic guitar that Steve did. Yeah, that was one where he sent me the mix, and I was like, dude, where he actually he played drums <laughs> drums on it too. I was like, where did all this come from? He's like, oh, I just I had like a weekend, and I just. I just added a bunch of stuff to it, <laughs> and awesome. I was like, "Dude, this sounds awesome!" So yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Man, I, well, let me say, I mean, I, if I haven't already, the record sounds incredible. The songs are great. I'm, I'm a big fan. Oh, thanks, uh, man. I will say, you know, not to like, it's always weird to have your stuff compared, but I will just do it for the the yeah. sake of our audience. For fans, I would say of folks like Elliot Smith, perhaps. I hear some of that in there. I hear some Emmett Rhodes. I hear yeah. definitely some John Bryan, but then mm. also like. Tom Petty or like like even Waits to an extent I don't know yeah I I really like the songs a lot there's definitely an arc to to the flow of the record and then of course just you know it sounds fucking awesome oh that's really I want to cool ask though too uh, you've done a lot of and I and this is something we've talked about a lot and it's something that I feel very strongly about there's been a lot of um recently I've noticed you've been posting this sort of like visual element um, mm -hmm. that goes with it to like this complete visual collection and then even each of the songs I noticed had their own sort of unique artwork so what yeah. was the kind of thought process behind that what was driving the this kind of like visual element of, of the project totally um yeah I, that's a that's really thanks you guys are just so poignant um I uh um I found some artwork uh like while I was making the album like it was probably I don't know probably like uh, halfway through the album, and I just I just found some some really cool artwork that's was this old Japanese like artist from I want to say the late 1700s, so was late 18th century, uh, and mm -hmm. it was like just just beautiful artwork that he did about with these birds that that I think he did on some weird sort of wood like a wood block kind of like artwork. I don't know he lived in okay, Kyoto. Sure. yeah he lived in like Kyoto and 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 only like did it in the last like. 15 years of his life and he lived till he was like 90 or something anyway but i just loved the artwork and i kind of like was like this is what the album's uh this is what the cover art's going to be and then um i have to say like none of the the visual stuff outside of that is not not me it's uh one of my friends that lives here in los angeles that's also uh, was a chicagoan um for many years um richard shell is his name and he's just a he moved out here to like 
to do some video stuff and and he's just wanted to do all the videos for last year's model and we i was like okay sure let's let's make some music videos you know and we did some music videos and they turned out really really i think they're really cool but then he decided to like go in a sense one step further and he just incorporated a lot of the artwork and he kind of created this visual album which we actually released um like i think there's three one two there's four videos actually there's four videos um they're like all 18 that's like one long film basically which is four music videos with little like um uh vignettes and segues between mm-hmm. them so it's like basically like an 18 minute short film um that features songs from the the album last year's model but it's really just like a film you know um and he put it all together and kind of created this visual world behind everything and and i i i, I didn't have a lot of say in it to be honest he kind of just wanted to do it and he did it and uh, we're starting to work again together on i have a new record that i just got mastered by uh, greg obis at um, chicago mastering Ooh. service yeah and that's that's actually one. I mean, yeah, I'm actually I'm pretty excited about that one. Um, I, I'm going through are, that. When you say record, are we talking about are we talking about a single or are we talking about some no? I'm I like release? a third. I guess it's a third. It's like basically, you know, it's an album. Yeah, yeah it's an oh, album. Wow. When, what's what? Do we get to know anything about this? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm, yeah, I just <laughs> I it's recently mastered as of a few weeks ago, and I, it sounds good um i you know you know i you know how it goes like when you're like i've showed it to a few people and they're like oh this is this is cool and i i I think it's good i don't know um it's loosely based on the civil war um and i recorded i recorded a lot of it at tiny telephone in uh in san francisco which is now the 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 one that's closed yeah Yeah. the one that's closed damn yeah we spent was that with john vanderslice no it was with bo Sorensen. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Very yeah. Cool. Joe or Joe. John was actually, he lives in uh, Los Angeles now. But um, so he was. Oh, he does. Yeah. He moved down like a few years ago, actually. And he's living in John Congleton's like like guest house or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. It's <laughs> a weird. lot of creativity in those uh, quarters. Yeah, yeah, I know. Right. But um, no, I think John, John Congleton actually is building or has built a studio in Echo Park here. And I think John Vanderslice was living in his like John Congleton's old apartment or something like that. I don't know. But like, but I get all the, the scoop from my friend, Bo. Get the scoop. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, so we, I went up there and we did, uh, like a kind of like a, a, a weekend recording where we got all the bare bones of the, of the, a lot of the songs done. Um, some of them I did here at home. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, it's was you, you performing everything. Again yeah, I did. Uh, this was one style. that I, yeah, this is the one that I did at, like pretty much everything. Yeah. There's no mm-hmm. other, uh, I think one of my, one of my friends did like a little bit of an ambient thing behind something, but um but yeah it was just me yeah um so i'm excited about that one i don't know how you know i'm at that point where i'm like how the hell do i release this thing you know like do i just do it or you know i gotta get an nft bro yeah i was i was just actually learning about nfts from joe pug's uh working songwriter podcast i was oh really i was listening to that this morning yeah actually um i still have no idea what they are no idea what they are we also we also did an episode kind of yeah oh you did okay get it yeah yeah totally you know it's it's tough because my, my take on it right now is that I think like anything you know it's emerging media whatever but just the the, the environmental cost that comes with creating them is so fucking insane that I just like it's hard yeah. for me to stomach right now but yeah you know we do a lot of we do a lot of stuff that I can't stomach so I guess that's yeah just that's true sometimes that and then the um what do they call that the blockchain 
and like well, it's it's built on blockchain. Oh, it yeah, is. that's what okay. it is. Yeah, yeah. NFTs are our our blockchain. It's fucking that's weird times, man. We can't mm-hmm. just write songs anymore. We got to learn about blocks and chains. But I guess ultimately, uh, though, there's yeah. there's a positivity to the NFT world, right? Like for songwriters and like finding there the, can be there can be yeah for like, sure some yeah. more you can make some more money and some more have some more lifelong control of right. the entity. But it's like it's not the actual song itself. It's an entity. It's a, a digital token that represents like. Uh, you know, a video that accompanies the song. It's not like you're giving away the rights to the song. It's yeah, so complicated. Yeah, I don't weird. know, man. There's people like the when when I know that it's it's gotten off the rails. And we were talking about it a couple weeks ago because Tom Brady is competing against Peyton Manning in their own NFT companies right now. Yeah. So it's like, all right, well, it's the it's the this is now the playground of oh, the man. rich. The rich. It's not going to be the artist famous. owned and controlled type of situation. No, they'll figure out. No, they'll figure out a way to mon- to corporately monetize it. Yeah, of, of course. course. That's yeah. right. Uh, so okay, uh, that's awesome. We'll be looking forward to that. Yeah. Before before we get too far away, I know you were also mentioning. You've already mentioned him a couple of times, and I, I just wanted to check in. I know that you were doing some collaboration with with Mark uh, Mark Wallach. You already mentioned. Is there is that like going to be more some musical stuff? What's going on there? Yeah, man, that's uh, something I'm excited about. We so we Mark and I um, grew up. I mean, we were he we were in a, that that he's like been my he was like my first collaborator of ev, ever in my life you know oh, oh i didn't um, know that yeah we I, went I knew to, you two independently from each other but oh. i did not realize that you guys are so tight yeah well we yeah we weren't as tight as we are now and then also as we were when we were teenagers um sure in our 20s um but uh but yeah so yeah he we went to yeah we went to high school together and um as soon as i could figure out a way to get him get him in my band i did and then we um we collaborated and made a bunch of albums in high school and in early college and and then we grew apart a little bit and he started company of thieves and and um um yeah and then the rest is history from there and that but then we kind of reconnected in our mid-20s um and uh then he moved out to la i don't know probably like seven seven years ago now and and then I moved out to LA, and then we've we live like down the street from each other, and we hang oh, cool. out like all the time. And um, he's uh he's got a really cool um little studio set up at home, and I just was like, hey man, do you want to like work together again? Do you want to? I got I got a group of songs, and these are different than the songs that um I did with Bo, and that are mm-hmm. completed in the next album. Um, and, uh, he was like, yeah, of course. And then the pandemic happened and then we kind of stopped. But then as of last week, I was like, dude, we gotta, we gotta keep going. And so it's time. Yeah. So we're, um, yeah, he's just bait. I mean, he's producing it. Um, uh, he's uh, arranging some of the stuff and we're working together, um, you know, in a way that is just has been just really a lot of fun. <laughs> Man, so. that's exciting! I cannot wait to see what yeah. that's. Gonna yeah, be. it's going to be. We got so much, so much exciting stuff happening. It's that's yeah, it's that's exciting. Really, really nice to hear. It's one of those things too, where like I went over there last week and he had gotten some of the songs together, like like collected the songs in Pro Tools and was like, hey, what do you think about this? And I listened to it and I was like, oh my god, this is kind of awesome, you know? Like it, it's right. just different than like the things that I can do myself at home and the things that like maybe I could do at a studio and it's just this new thing where um somebody else is like is 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 listening to it in a way that's as passionate as I am and Mark has always been like that type of person um that's like a bit, have been our relationship has been our relationship for 20 years now um and um yeah and then we got like uh our one of our friends brendan mccusker who's uh used to run paxam for ryan adams which is now not a thing anymore right, um yes. 
Brendan used to be the, uh, I don't know if he was the studio manager, but he was a, definitely the chief engineer there. And then also the, the uh, played drums on a few Ryan Adams records that have, will probably never see the light of day. But um, yeah. so he kind of like had a lot of, <laughs> he had like some time and some like energy to get out. And so after yeah. the, after the whole thing. And um, so he plays on, uh, he plays, he's played on two songs as of now, but Mark kind of mixed some stuff that he did together and I was like, oh my God, this he's this Brendan his drums stuff is just absurd. So we're like, oh, we gotta get him. <laughs> yeah, we're like, okay, I got now I'm like well then then now I'm like now I'm writing uh, differently now. And I'm like, oh my God, this 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 you know Brendan is his just his ear is great and like I want um I want to play with like him more. And so I'm just writing so- songs that hopefully he plays on. <laughs> so oh, man. yeah. That's beautiful. Well, my friend, thank you so much for for joining us and, thank and you so sharing much, and being so so open and honest. Oh yeah, it. thank you. Of course, yeah. Thank 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 you so much. But uh, if anybody listening, which I can't imagine they wouldn't, they want to either a check out your music or b get in touch with you, maybe to take some lessons or just to, sure. just to get to know you a little bit. Where would you typically send folks on the internet to do that? Oh, um. I, you could, uh, well, if you want to listen to music, I'm for, you know, the, the fur trader stuff is, uh, is out on everything and Bandcamp you know, would be on the, the, the main one, I guess. Um, but, um, especially on a Bandcamp Friday, perhaps on Bandcamp Friday. Yeah. Um, I, I believe my website's still up, but for, yeah, for any general inquiries or lessons or just wanting to talk about music or something, um, uh, I'm at andrewpelletier.com. That's A-N-D-R-E-W. P-E-L-L-E-T-I-E-R dot com. Um, God, I got to probably like revamp that website, but <laughs> yeah. Make, make sure that you still own the URL. Yeah, it's that, like, Someone's not squatting on it. Yeah. Uh, I, it, well, you know what? I'm going to check. And if you don't, if you don't own it anymore, uh, t- t- the price just went up, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Um, well, or you could just, you can get in touch with me with andrewpelletier.music at gmail.com if you want. Yeah. Perfect. I'm yeah. very open. I love talking. And um, yeah. So. You can tell you did a great job. Thank you so much. Thank for you so us, much. Man. Oh, really, no, really thank you guys. Great. Yeah, the, really you guys' you. questions were great. I, I, I just had a blast. Beautiful. All right. Well, folks, if you made it this far, you know what that means. Go make some music. Yes.